season two, episode three of Scott Survive Survivor. My name is Brandon Weber, and uh, Scott is with me, of course. Hey, Scott. Hey, I'm here. And uh, Scott, which chip do you prefer, a chocolate chip or a Dorito? Oh, I prefer the Cool Ranch variety of Doritos, and I do appreciate your proper pronunciation of that word. Yeah, I think I've been pronouncing it wrong forever, but Tina has shown me how to pronounce uh, Doritos properly. I think it's one of those words you don't really hear very often, but Survivor Season 2, we're going to hear it. Probably a lot from Tina, I'm guessing, in the future. Yeah, this doesn't pay off at all in this episode, but hopefully Tina can get some Doritos out there on the island so she can say it a bunch more. Yeah, it's... For all we know, the only reason she brought up Doritos is because she actually snuck some on the island and she's just waiting for the perfect chance to hide behind a hill and munch on some. Oh my gosh, did Tina bring chips and that's why she was hiding under the cover of searching Kel's bag for beef jerky? Yeah, that's probably what happened. The The conspiracy theory uh, continues. See, but Doritos are kind of harder to hide uh, the evidence once you've picked up a Dorito with your hand. I feel like <laughs> the evidence would be pretty obvious uh, when she comes back to camp. Yeah, what's she going to say she was doing when she was just licking her fingers one by one? Yeah. What else could be on her fingers but Dorito powder? No, nothing else. Uh, <laughs> nothing else. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if this becomes a thing the next episode. Uh, But in this episode, we're going to start on day seven, and I feel like day seven's going to go on for a long time, and so much is going to happen on this first day of the episode. Uh, It starts on Kucha, and Mike wants to hunt for food, and so he is sharpening a knife, their only knife, they only have one knife, Mm -hmm. and he says that None of them is going to win the million dollars if they don't have protein in their bodies. And the tribe, though, isn't thrilled that he wants to hunt so bad. Yeah, it's just surprising to me that it's day seven and we haven't hunted at all yet. It seems like a weird thing to bring out of nowhere and just say, we're going to need a hunt. I also think that fish, isn't Kucha bringing in fish at this point? That's a source of protein. Yeah, we saw Mike catch a few fish in the last episode, probably on day five or six. Right. But he wants specifically a pig. (laughs) He's got an animal in mind. Yes, he does. He doesn't just really want anything. And he has a quote here where he says, I'm going to find something that's alive that we are going to kill. So he just has this bloodlust and he we does. see it in the preview for the next episode yes. also that this continues yeah it does kind of start a thread some storyline here where michael is turning into he's at least being depicted as some like horrifying animal murderer <laughs> and i'm very excited to see what he's killed in the next episode because apparently it's horrifying and they just show his knife covered in blood i can only imagine it was not a pig and it was something far cuter. I don't know. Oh, no. I hope not. Uh, he's got, like, eye black, and he's putting on, paint, like, war paint um, right. on his face, and he's getting very into this, but Alicia says that it's not a realistic 
um, thing that he's going to catch something. And Jeff is kind of just mocking Mike, like, bring me a pig, show me your pig. You know, they're basically like, don't lose our knife uh, because yeah. that's our only way to, you know, we need the knife to eat anything out here. Right. Apparently no one's seen a pig. But again, when they're talking about how no one's seen any of something, we see B-roll of it while they're saying that. Just like, in, I think it was the last episode, they're like, wow, there's no fish out here at all. And it's just B-roll of fish just swimming around. Right. It's like, clearly there's fish, clearly there's pigs. Right. Yeah, Elizabeth hasn't seen a pig, and she's very adamant about this, but she says that <laughs> if she did see a pig, she would want to eat it. So the camera people have seen pigs because we have the camera shots of it. Who knows if this is like around the same time or later in the game or something, but maybe they've told Mike, you know, separately, hey, like there are pigs, you know, don't don't you want to hunt? <laughs> the cameramen are just like egging on the, the game a little bit, just like putting thoughts in people's minds. We saw pigs out there, buddy. You know you want one of those pigs. Yeah. So he's going to try to build a spear and... Nothing really comes of it here, but we'll see uh, next week what blood is covering this knife. There were, when he was building that spear, I, I did get Sean flashbacks. It felt like he was building building a pig killer 3000 instead of the Super Bowl 3000. This was like this his own contraption that he was building that was specifically designed to take in pigs, which can only mean that he will never be successful in doing so. Right. If he's anything like Sean, this will <laughs> never work, and it will never fulfill its desired purpose. Uh, but I and think it, it will be burned been... at the end of the show as well. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Also, and I, I believe it would be the Pig Killer two thousand and one because we've only advanced one year from the Super Bowl two thousand. Oh, was it the Super Bowl two thousand? It was the two thousand. Oh, yeah. based on the year. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So the Pig Killer 2001 is what we might refer to as on okay. this show. We're going to hop on over to Ogacore, who has just voted Kel out. And Tina says that she didn't expect the game to be this hard and that she wants a bag of Doritos more than anything in the world. Oh, my gosh. She says Doritos the exact same way that we do. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. we got to get Tina on the show. Talk, yeah. talk about Bring shows. her on. Yeah. Do you think Doritos is a reasonable, you know, I'm hungry and I have no, hardly any protein in my body kind oh. of food that you want? I mean, it's one of the worst things you could possibly get from a vending machine if you're stranded in the Australian outback. No. I, I mean, it's not even really good for calories. Right. Yeah. If you're If you're pulling junk food out of the vending machine, you want to go for like Pop-Tart or something. Right. Doritos is it's mostly air in those bags, but Tina's been out there for seven days. She probably eats a lot of Doritos on the reg, and she doesn't have them. I don't blame her. Yeah, if she just really wants like eight chips and some crumbs, apparently, uh, from, yeah. from that bag. Maybe she wants one of the big bags, not one of the the uh, single serving bags. That's a little greedy, don't you think? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe she could share it with the tribe. <laughs> Marilyn's going to get tree mail. Can I just say that during this episode, I was really feeling like Marilyn was going to be the next Deb. You know, that character that I can latch on to. And she just will deliver endless, incredible, hilarious quotes. Or adorable and sweet quotes. But 
the pattern continues. We we couldn't have her either. Yeah, I was gonna. I I kind of suspected that you would feel this way about Marilyn in this episode, <sighs> being like the next favorite, and then she immediately gets chopped off at the end of this episode. So yeah, they're doing this thing where they they make you really feel for people, and then that person is leaving in that episode because um, she is throughout this whole episode amazing in all of her confessionals and all of her. Uh, all of the things she's saying to her tribe mates, everything she says at tribal council. And so it makes it a real shame that she gets the boot here. Yeah. Is, is this a pattern I should be looking for? In the next episode, if I like one character, one survivor in particular, should I also be expecting them to leave forever at the end of that episode? I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. But I hope I hope that pattern doesn't continue because eventually you start to know what's coming and that's not great for the tv show part of this so hopefully they try to dis disguise it a little more in the future yeah well if that pattern does continue then i'll my survivor pick will win the whole show because i definitely like kemi the least out of all of these people yeah so it's kind of like maybe it's a positive thing that yeah every, all the likable people will get <laughs> voted out and you, there will be nobody left but kimmy that's true. My my strategy is already working really well. All the people I've liked have gotten knocked off the list. Yeah. And this challenge coming up sounds like it's going to be potentially a challenge that one person on each tribe is going to bear the burden on their shoulders for mm -hmm. the tribe. And this ends up coming to fruition. And they're very confident in Colby's ability to carry them through this challenge. Right. Tina says he would die before he would fail us. Do you think Colby would die for these six other people? Honestly, watching both of the people that were holding the buckets, I it seemed that they would they were willing to let their backs just give out. I don't think death was probably a possibility, but they would have collapsed with a broken spine, I think. Yeah. The, this challenge is amazing. I, I love it. It's fantastic. This. Yeah, it's great. So let's jump right to it. The challenge, first of all, the, the reward is going to be fishing gear, which Mitchell is later going to tell us that he was not excited about this because he doesn't. He still doesn't think there's any fish in the water. <laughs> so he's like, why wouldn't they just give us fish? But, I mean, I'm sure that you're familiar with the if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime quote. Yeah, I think that quote came out in 2002. So Mitchell probably wasn't familiar quite yet. Oh, that's that explains it. OK, I was wondering. Um, but they're going to play for fishing gear. And the challenge is going to be there are a bunch of balance beams and a bunch of buckets into which the contestants are going to fill water. Mm -hmm. and then have to carry the buckets across the balance beams and then load them onto the shoulders of the other tribe's strongest member. So it comes down to Colby versus Michael. And did you have a sense going in of who had the edge here? Um, I'll be honest with you. Still at this point in the show, Colby, Michael, might as well be the same person. They just look like two dudes with muscles and I was like one of them's gonna fail one of them's not going to I didn't think what would happen would happen but 
Uh, no, I didn't have a favorite going in at all. Okay. Uh, so this challenge to carry the water across all these balance beams looks very hard for the people who aren't carrying all of them. They're each just carrying like two buckets of water. But yeah. the balance beams are very like bouncy, it seems. and very, They're unforgiving. Yeah. And so a lot of people are falling in the water with their buckets. Yeah. But, but ultimately, that's kind of just window dressing. And eventually, all the buckets end up on the other tribe's uh, person's right. shoulders. It's such a brutal looking challenge. It really does fit the sur survivor motif, I think, just seeing these people. It looked like every single person that was bringing buckets, like no matter the age or like the build, they were like totally struggling to balance this, these buckets. And it looks like it's heavy for them to carry just two. And then when they put it on their the, these people's shoulders, you just see just this incredible like Christmas tree, like decorated, like display of just so many buckets on their shoulders and you're just like oh my gosh this this is unhealthy this seems so dangerous yes and jeff host jeff not jeff on kucha says uh, that they have more than 400 pounds of water on their shoulders that's insane is that uh, that doesn't seem possible I, I I don't know how they got the measurement. I'm sure that not every bucket was like completely mm -hmm. full, so maybe that's a you know estimation. But I mean, it's got it's probably over 350 yeah. pounds at least if if they're filling them even close to full. So I mean, very impressive from both of them. Mm -hmm. And the surprise of the challenge is that Mike's pole is just gonna snap right on his back and nobody really loses it and so it looks like Ogacore's gonna win because Kucha's pole broke yeah Mike's reaction to his pole breaking was so just like oh seriously like th this cannot possibly count this is your pole and it broke and it's not my fault that it broke how dare you I have to wonder if they planned for this or if the producers had to get together with Jeff and they're like, all right, what do we do in this situation? Right. We immediately hear on like on our end that Jeff mm -hmm. is like, no, like no decision mm -hmm. uh, that they're going to need to find some other way to decide this challenge. But they did have another poll ready to go because Mike, oh, Mike does get a fresh true. poll for the final five minute race, which is really less about Colby and Mike, and it becomes more about the actual tribe mates carrying right. the buckets to the people. So the the tiebreaker is going to be, there's going to be a five-minute race, and whoever gets more buckets on the other mm -hmm. person's shoulders wins. And I kind of do like that it ended up like this, because I didn't really want either Michael or Colby to falter. I think it was just an incredible feat of strength that they <laughs> held on for that long. And so yeah. I like that it came down to not just one person, but the other people were involved yeah, sure. in deciding the outcome. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, it felt like Colby and Michael also just proved to themselves. It's like, all right, you guys basically win the challenge. Now let's see what everyone else can do right here. Right. Yes. So ultimately, Ogacore is going to win. It's a little bit hard to follow the race because they don't have like a score tally, but Jeff is kind of narrating how many buckets each team has. And I think they just win by like one set of buckets, like two buckets. Um, 
So it seemed close, but we don't really know. We don't get a final score of right. the of the race. So. They want it to seem close no matter what if they can show it that way. Right. Yeah, so we really don't know, but Ogacor wins. And it seemed close because it was narrated in an exciting way. Right. <laughs> so Ogacor is going to win fishing gear, and we're going to go back to their camp. And Tina is talking about how they've been doing very well in the challenges, but they're going to be unstoppable once they get food in them with this fishing gear. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not going to have too much success at the immunity challenge, so we'll see if this food kicks in in the next episode for their <laughs> yeah. challenge success. Um, and like, like we talked about, Mitchell didn't want fishing gear. He just wanted them to give them fish, but clearly there are fish in the water, um, Mitchell was wrong, and yeah. it sounds like Jerry, uh, when they're out fishing, is talking about how Keith was saying that there was no fish in the water, and she was kind of making fun of him for thinking that, but she's really close friends with uh, Mitchell, and he was saying the same thing, probably more so than Keith was. I think Jerry just has this weird rival- rivalry with Keith after the tortilla incident. Uh, I also don't know, I think there's a pretty understood rule in society that you don't uh, be rude to the person that's cooking your food uh, so I don't know about that one Jerry I don't know about the decision Keith is about to even though he hasn't he hasn't done so well with the rice he's about to actually be able to I think properly show his culinary uh, skills in this episode and you, you don't want to be enemies with that guy no not at all. I don't. I don't want the person making my food mad at me in any way. I want them to be my best friend. I right. don't want to tell them off in any way. So I, I feel like this episode kind of shows that there probably were, like, there probably was like for some reason a weird lack of fish in season one because the methods they were using to fish in this episode seemed so rudimentary. They were just p- putting the fishing gear on like sticks and stuff they didn't have a super pole but they were they were just bagging and tagging these fish just bringing them in like nothing oh yeah jerry says they were practically jumping in the boat it was so easy yeah uh yeah so it's jerry mitchell and amber i believe on the boat and when they come back they're immediately like keith we need you to scale the fish and then Mm -hmm. we get a little scene of keith kind of mumbling to himself about like oh now they're gonna ask me for help cooking the Mm. food and or doing stuff with the food because they don't want to scale the fish they don't want to gut the fish they don't want to do all the dirty Mm. work so they're like now he's chef keith again uh yeah they've never called him chef keith before yeah i would say that whole process is a lot more complicated than making rice but they seem to be okay with him going to work on that so i don't know I feel like Keith has been given a bad rap this whole time. Yeah, he does a great job here with the fish. And Mitchell still, though, at the end of it, is like anybody could make the fish the way that Keith made it. And I don't know. We'll see. But I think if they – I think he's being a little bit hard on Keith. Like I, I think, think so, too. Yeah, I think because he did a great job. Also, watching Mitchell's reaction to eating the fish – he said anybody could have done that. It looked like he was having some sort of spiritual experience when he was eating it. He enjoyed it more than anyone I've ever seen eat a fish before. Yes. Yeah, the, he, he made some noises that 
I feel like are not often um, made Uttered. when eating <laughs> when eating food. Yeah. So they all love it, and Keith thinks that his stock has gone up. But Colby noticed that when he was making the fish, that everybody was watching him very closely, which is I think two f- the reasons for this are twofold. One is that they want to make sure he doesn't mess anything up, and so they're just watching him like a hawk, like you know, you better not mess this up. But then what Colby points out is that he is basically unknowingly teaching them how to do this whole process. So mm-hmm. they're kind of, they seem to be preparing for being able to vote Keith out. Yes. And that brings up a point that I kind a, a little theory I have from the end of this episode. I really think we've already seen or maybe we haven't seen, but what has already happened is an alliance has, a secret alliance has formed on Ogacor or is in the makings of forming. Why is everyone still so against Keith as he cooks them delicious food? Is it because they really don't like Keith and his food or is it because they've decided he no longer belongs there? And that totally fits in with that theory. Colby's observing that everyone clearly is observing Keith and his culinary abilities but also it was just so suspicious to me what happened to Marilyn in this episode why how would someone so lovable who has hasn't done too much to mess the team up how could she be essentially mutinied against uh and backstabbed in horrible ways we'll get to that but (laughs) how would that happen without some uh behind the scenes conversations that's interesting, and we'll get to a scene on Ogacor where somebody talks about who, which of them has decided to vote together, so mm-hmm. I think you might be onto something there. But uh, before we get there, we're going to go back over to Kucha, and we're going to get some stuff about Kimmy uh, and how her job is basically to fill water jugs basically all day, every day. Right. Yeah, this is, she's sort of in the Keith situation where she's working for the tribe and uh doing a good job for them except nobody needs to watch kimmy because what she's doing could be done by anyone but she's still doing it as as hard as she can and hoping that people will notice the amount of work she's putting into the tribe yeah she's filling the water jugs and she's putting i guess sunscreen on people before challenges or before the day (laughs) and alicia says that anything kimmy is doing any anybody could could do those jobs yeah. and so she kimmy says that she doesn't she's worried because she doesn't feel like she has a tight bond with anybody in particular mm. how does that worry you as a winner pick that is concerning because i feel like that's pretty much the reason kel got voted off that's how if you don't have tight bonds with people you're not going to be in the secret alliances that are honestly at this point they're probably going to form on both teams this this season if everyone watched the last season i think they probably saw that that's an incredible strategy so if you're not friends with anybody you're going to be outside of alliances and you're going to be voted out so that does worry me a bit right and we kind of see a couple pairs on kucha in this episode this first scene uh they're gonna talk about the relationship between elizabeth and uh, roger who is now known as kentucky joe which I think came out of nowhere. I don't remember this being discussed before this episode. Yeah, it was. I at first I was like, "Wait, is his name Joe, not Roger?" This this whole time, it it is. I don't know that it's explained either. 
I don't think it is. Uh, but basically, the battle between Kentucky Joe and Kimmy for the next person to go is what they're going to talk about here. But Elizabeth is said to kind of protect Roger, uh, where she will not vote him out. And she seems to have good standing with the other people on the tribe. So they seem to be kind of listening to her and, you know, not willing to vote against Kentucky Joe, possibly. I mean, we don't see a vote here from Kucha, but the way it sounds is that Elizabeth is very against voting Roger out, and so that might come into play if they go to tribal council. Yeah, she does seem to have taken a liking to him, and like you said, she's pretty popular amongst the, amongst the tribe. That a, a couple of those scenes with Roger and Elizabeth I, I found to be a little creepy. I don't know about you, but just Roger like tapping Elizabeth on the arm and saying like, ah, oh, your parents should, ought to be so proud of you. I don't know. It just gave me weird vibes. I can see where you would feel that way. I I don't see this in a creepy way. Uh, maybe it's just because it's been so long since I've seen this and like I know you know that this is this it's relationship not exists yeah and so to <laughs> me it just seems like he's kind of taken on like a fatherly figure role to mm. uh to elizabeth out here so i tend In to look at days. it just like he's he's just a friendly old man and right. back in 2001 i don't know i guess i guess maybe he's a little bit touchy in this scene but he's not what he's I not know. too touchy in my opinion Here's what I know about Roger. He, he's kind of, he's a little touchy. Maybe not too much, but he's a little touchy. And he burns pages of the Bible. I don't know. I don't know about Roger. Well, hopefully, hopefully we can get through this this season of Survivor without <laughs> anything uh, happening there. So we'll, right. we'll monitor that as we go. But he does find her like a heart shaped rock, and he says to give that to her boyfriend when she gets back home so she's got a boyfriend you know roger's not gonna <laughs> roger's not gonna try anything there right surely <laughs> hopefully i don't know you probably know what happens after the season i'm not allowed to look at that stuff right we're gonna go back to ogagor and get away <laughs> from roger and elizabeth for a little thank bit. you <laughs> and we're gonna see a relationship bonding or a, a relationship forming between Marilyn and Tina. Yeah. And we're going to get some interesting visuals and descriptions of their relationship later in the tribal council <laughs> portion of this show. But they seem to have bonded a lot. And uh, Marilyn talks about how Tina is a fabulous woman. She is a star, but she doesn't mm. trust Jerry. Yeah. I mean, I think she's right not to trust Jerry. Uh, but maybe her radar is not as strong as she wants it to be with her friendship with uh, Tina. Right. At least Tina's vote for Marilyn has a sad face on it. So <laughs> she, that... I think, got it right that she was closer with Tina than Jerry. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I wonder if that sad face tipped Marilyn off. I kind of hope it didn't and that she never watched any of the episodes. Because... Based on things Marilyn was saying this episode, I think she wouldn't assume that Tina was one of the people that voted for her. Right. Tina could have been the vote for 
I think Mitchell gets a vote and Jerry mm-hmm. gets a vote. So she could have been, you know, Marilyn voted for one of them and Tina could have been the other one, but that is not the case. But then we're going to get a lot about Colby and Jerry flirting with each other and Colby's asking like this or that questions uh, to Jerry. And this doesn't really go anywhere here. Uh, Keith thinks that they are being strategic in this, or at least Jerry is being strategic in her, you know, attraction to Colby, but that he does think that she might actually have feelings for him. And she tells us as much that she has a thing for cowboys. Uh, How (sighs) does one like acquire a thing for cowboys in 2020 in 2001? Uh, it's not that surprising to me, as Marilyn said early in, earlier in this episode, she likes to think that a cowboy can handle any challenge. Mm. So, you know, sticking with the cowboy, maybe that's just a good strategy in Survivor. Right. I guess so. Yep. I think it's interesting they chose this romance as like the pre, like the next time on Survivor from the last episode, because it's very briefly shown and it's very inconsequential in this episode right and we even get a quote from jerry where she says if it came down to me having to vote for colby i would yeah so it's like okay well this is going nowhere and we've already seen like them the show try to make us think that two survivors are in a relationship in season one and it went nowhere and nothing happened it didn't create any like voting drama or anything so I'm kind of assuming that's how this is going to be as well. Right. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if this is another Greg Colleen or if this is something different. We're going to go to Kucha, and here's where we get kind of our second Kucha pair of Jeff and Alicia. They're going to be talking strategy, going out into the jungle foraging, and they're talking about who they think is dangerous on their tribe. And they're talking about Mm -hmm. Elizabeth is going to be somebody that they need to watch out for because if she makes it far in the game, then she's super likable and she's a threat to win. Mm -hmm. And they also talk about how Nick is playing but he doesn't want to appear that he's playing and he kind of zones out and doesn't help them when they ask him to help, but that he's built this beautiful like kitchen and patio area at their camp. Yeah, I I think there's something to that. Like you can't just really choose one job and not help with anything else. But at the same time, his craftsmanship is incredible. What he's built is like really, really nice. I feel like if I were out there, I wouldn't be pointing fingers at him i'd be like thanks nick for making this sweet porch and this deck and you built a tv like a working tv for us thank you nick right he built a giant uh giant tv of the 2000s there for them yeah um and jeff says he doesn't trust nick as far as he can spit which i liked because normally the quote is i don't trust him as far as i can throw him but jeff doesn't even trust him as far as he can spit I've I've actually heard the spit version of this. Is this a um, southern thing? It could be a southern thing, but you know, I've also seen some pretty long distance spitters, so maybe he's not really saying that much here. 
Right, maybe he's like a world champion spitter or something. Yeah. We don't even know. But they do they do show a scene where Jeff is kind of walking by him with this giant tree branch and he says basically like he he's asking Nick to help him and then Nick just sits there and stares off into the distance and then Jeff says like thank you or something and Nick's like oh I'm I didn't even hear you like I'm zoning out so I can see where Jeff is coming from if this yeah. is, if this is happening like over and over and over again that Nick just like refuses to do anything besides make luxury uh, items at camp yeah um i take all this in i i'm just gonna make a prediction i don't i think nick's gonna make it a lot further than the next couple episodes i don't think he's gonna i don't think he's even close to being on the chopping block uh just because we've seen him so little right it seems like the smaller characters right now are more likely to be safer i don't know that's interesting jeff says that they need his strength right now Mm -hmm. um but i think he says he'll be the first in their group to go when mm. they need to. I think this, to me, this is saying that they need his strength in the tribe, but he's mm. like kind of lower on, if they have like a subgroup of people that they want to keep, then mm. he's like at the bottom of that. So that's how I read that quote from Jeff. But I think the show wants you to think that they're going to vote him out first chance they get. Yeah, but we didn't get to see that yeah today anyway so yeah we haven't gotten to see kucha vote in two two episodes so we don't really know where things stand with with them ogakor is gonna have a rainy night and none yeah. of them is gonna get any sleep basically they're all gonna be up all night trying to keep the fire going and it seems like they do get the fire going and keep it going, but going into the immunity challenge, they're all dragging more than they have in several days. Yeah, especially Mitchell, who looks like he is barely standing. Yeah. He has and, a lot of body to keep up, so maybe that makes it more difficult. Yeah, Mitchell looking like he's barely standing is really saying something because he's seven feet tall. So, yeah. you know, if he's standing at all, he's going to be pretty, pretty tall. And pretty visible but yeah he's really dragging and Colby says that he's really dragging although Colby is just still beasting it up in this immunity challenge like dragging Marilyn and like <laughs> carrying her over these obstacles pretty much yeah so you know he's still doing great but Mitchell definitely looks like he's on the verge of of uh I don't know of just passing out basically yeah that really made me feel like he would be easier to vote out just because I felt like people would probably feel bad for him and it's just like well that's an easy vote this guy is barely hanging on like just get him off the show and get him some some fish instead of a fishing equipment like he wants right they're gonna go to the immunity challenge which Jeff is gonna describe as their toughest challenge yet and I think this is I think this is pretty accurate in terms of the physical toll that this is going to take on them. Hmm. Your reaction is telling me that you think one of their other challenges so far might have been tougher. Which one do you have in mind? Well, the last one we just watched seemed tougher on at least two individuals in particular. Right. I think that is undeniable. But I think in terms of the tribe burden, I think this is going to be... Like, Marilyn didn't have nearly the tough... uh, Like the tough challenge in the reward as she will here in this one 
Yeah, we've seen obstacle courses before on Survivor, and I do agree that this is probably the most strenuous and teamwork-oriented that we've seen, so I guess I can't completely disagree with Jeff there. They're going to do an obstacle course, but the twist is that they're going to be tethered together so they can only go as fast as their slowest person, which I feel like even if they weren't tethered together, you're still needing the slowest person to finish the course uh, before you win. Presumably, mm-hmm. like the rules would be the same. But I think being tethered together adds that because no individual can just like run ahead and kind right. of like clear the way. They're just all going to be tied up and have the, these uh, harnesses that are getting in the way. So I really like this challenge, especially when they're all running down the hill during part of it where they have to like go slowly so that everybody yeah. can kind of like get up the hill and then like not crash when they run down. So yeah. I think this challenge is really tough. Yeah, it, it it's a great twist on the challenge. Like you said, just from a spectator point of view, we're not looking at like 16 or I guess it's 14 now different people and trying to attract them all. It's just two teams that are forced to move together. So right. it makes it a lot easier to follow the action. And to me, this challenge comes down to will Marilyn or Kentucky Joe Roger be the reason that each, either tribe <laughs> is going to lose because they're the only two really that seem to be struggling with any sort of regularity here to kind of set set up the challenge there they have some sand slide that i talked about they have to cross a river they have mm-hmm. to go through these like they have to go under stuff and over these you know sand dunes basically yeah. And it comes down to a final sprint to the finish line where we're going to see like Roger falling on one side and then Marilyn falling on the other side. Right. And it's like, who's going to fall the least amount of times? Yeah. And props to the team. I mean, I guess they had to, but I was seeing people, you know, just like as soon as someone falls, it's like, all right, nope, get back on your feet immediately. Yes. Yeah. We see, I think on Kucha, they're like putting. Con- putting Roger's arms around their shoulders so that they yeah. can like help him go and like Colby's basically just like dragging Marilyn the whole way and <laughs> like throwing her over obstacles and you know later he says he would do it again and he's just been dragging her around for like all these challenges so I, I like that relationship how he's kind of taken her uh, you know taken her in as somebody who he's just gonna like guide through all these challenges because he's so strong yeah and I wonder if it was this challenge that caused people to kick Marilyn off because it didn't, I didn't, from watching the episode, I didn't get, I didn't sense a lot of anger from Ogacore at Marilyn. Like, oh, you made us lose. How dare you? You're not worthy of Survivor. You have to get off our team now. You're the weakest link. Right. Right. So Ogacore is going to fall short here and Kucha wins immunity for the second straight time. And Elizabeth has a very interesting celebration sound. I was uh, mm-hmm. wondering if you could replicate it. Oh, sure. Uh, we might have to go back in- and lower the volume for this, but it was something like... <laughs> That's pretty good. Was that good? Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, so Elizabeth is getting re- really into the celebration here. And Kucha, I mean, they're on a roll with the immunity challenges. They're not winning the rewards, but... The, really, the challenge that matters is immunity, and they're on a roll with those. So Ogacor is going to have to go to Tribal Council 
And Mitchell says that if they voted, he thinks if they voted Mad Dog out first instead of Cal, he also says Cal, which is so funny to me that two of them are are calling him Cal. And it's going to spread as well. They're going to forget what he looks like and think his name is Cal at the end of this thing. Yeah. And so basically he thinks if they kept Cal and voted Mad Dog out that they would have immunity, which is probably true. Mm. Mitch, I mean, Cal was one of their stronger men and Marilyn did hold them back a little bit in this challenge. So who knows, but I think I think you might be onto something here. Can I just defend Marilyn for a second though? She didn't bring a secret stash of beef jerky that Cal would be using to empower himself. Not that I'm on team beef jerky, I'm not. I'm just saying a lot of people might think that. Right. That is a good point that maybe the camaraderie with Mad Dog helped them more than like Kel's strength would help them because they basically mm-hmm. didn't have a bond with Kel. So it's it's hard to say for sure, but they definitely would have had more brute strength with Kel. Yeah. And we don't we don't know for sure if it would have come to fruition in this challenge. But if that was a common thought, if Mitchell's idea was something other it was a belief other people held, then suddenly it, it does make more sense that she got voted off because they're like, Well, we're not gonna make that mistake again, get rid of her and have a stronger team for challenges like that in the future. Right. I think we hear a little quote from Colby that says, like, she'll be very understanding uh, when they're talking about who they're going to vote out. So I think that they're feeling like, yeah, it's time. Like, we love Marilyn, but, you know, it's it's her time to go. And I don't know who says this, but Jerry, Colby, Mitchell, Amber, and Tina apparently have decided to all vote the same here. So that kind of narrows down the possibilities to Marilyn or Keith if that's true. And I think it does turn out to be true that all five of those people vote for Marilyn. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, I guess that is an alliance, you know, whether or not that alliance persists later into the show will, that uh, remains to be seen, but I can very easily picture that happening. Right. But Keith doesn't want to vote Marilyn out because he thinks it's not really a, he says, what kind of team is that to vote Marilyn out for, you know, falling in the challenge or something? And he thinks that she could really help them if they have, like, a mental challenge coming up. Because um, oh. he, he says they've had a lot of physical challenges so far, but that doesn't mean that they're all going to be physical. Yeah. It seems like Keith is wanting, wanting to adopt the alphabetical uh, way of voting people off. Just, for, just don't do it for any reason at all. It's just fair. A, B, C, D, E. Vote them off. Yeah, he does skip a few letters and wants to vote Mitchell out, and he's gonna try <laughs> to get Colby, Tina, and Marilyn to do that. Oh, with, that's right, with yeah. Him. But I think Tina's quote about it was uh, a promise she made, so she must have said something to Jerry or Amber or somebody in the group voting Marilyn out that she would vote for Marilyn, and she doesn't want to go back on that word. Oh, but she's fine with stabbing her her friend in the back. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I don't know what happened first, her bond with Marilyn or her <laughs> or the promise. voting agreement with the other yeah. people. Yeah. And Colby's kind of going to mislead us going into the vote where he says Keith, Marilyn, and Mitchell are neck and neck and neck, I guess, uh, to get the vote here. Mm-hmm. But I don't really... It doesn't seem like Keith was really in that much danger 
because they're voting Maryland out based on strength and challengeability, and they're probably not going to vote Keith out if that's their criteria. I, I, and a part of me hopes they would uh, vote Keith off so they can uh, have to cook themselves and suddenly wish they had not voted him off. That would be interesting, and also we would stop hearing about their feud with Keith uh, if they just voted him out. So yeah, I'm kind of on your side there. And Marilyn is amazing TV, whereas Keith is kind of just like I don't it's have a, a boring. I don't have a problem with Keith, but I mean Marilyn is like the star of the last two episodes. Yeah, she's the constellation of the last two episodes. No, no, Tina's the constellation, Scott. <laughs> oh, 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 sorry, you're right. You're yeah. right. Uh. <laughs> We're going to get to Tribal Council, and there's a lot of talk about who they can trust. And Colby and Mitchell both give kind of like the generic, you can't really fully trust anyone. Mitchell says the motto is trust no one. And then Mad Dog is like, I trust with my heart, and like these are these are all my buddies, you know? And then Jerry is asked who she's bonded with. And she names Colby, Mitchell, and Amber in particular. And this is interesting. Um, is she giving up the alliance to us all right here in this moment? Yeah, I wonder if they're picking up on this, that she's just named half of the rest of the tribe and left out half of the <laughs> yeah. members. Yep. She's like, yeah, I bonded with everyone except for Marilyn, who we're all voting off tonight. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, she doesn't mention Keith either. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> which I don't think that's a secret that her that she and Keith haven't really bonded. Yeah. Um, Keith says that it's less about friendship. So Jerry talks a lot about friendship, like those are her friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how it's more about camaraderie, and he doesn't seem to have much camaraderie with many of the members of this tribe yet. No, he doesn't. Um, even which is so surprising, honestly. Even though he doesn't seem like the friendliest down to earth guy. He's the cook, and he's made delicious food for everyone. I thought that would win everyone over for sure. But then we get the best quote of this tribal council, where Mad Dog cuts in and says that I'm conjoined with Tina. Did you did you notice that they were conjoined this whole time? Uh, <laughs> you know, Brandon, I think she was speaking metaphorically. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Oh, were they actually conjoined? Wow, I that was a detail I missed. Yeah, it was a really awkward moment when Marilyn gets voted out and they had to chop. Oh, no. Yeah. Live on TV, they had to deconjoin them. Yeah, and that Tina is a constellation. She is a constellation. Have you ever described someone before just calling Marilyn a constellation as a constellation? <laughs> I've never thought to, but in that moment, my heart melted hearing Marilyn describe Tina that way. The way she said it was so sweet. She's a constellation. I, and I was like, wow, this is the most beautiful friendship I have ever seen. It's just good to see two people bond like this. And they're really going to be friends throughout this whole show and they'll never turn on each other. If they did, it would be so much worse than any backstabbing I've ever seen on the show. Like, I mean, I feel like... St- in the last season, Sue didn't get backstabbed that hard, but she made a speech about basically wanting the other person dead, Kelly. So it, just to see something like that happen here, I would imagine uh, the response would be magnitudes uh, worse from Marilyn. But 
Marilyn is above all that. She is. Yeah. She's, she's not going to give any rat snake speeches. No. Uh, partly because she's not on the jury, so she doesn't, <laughs> yeah. she doesn't really have too much opportunity. But she doesn't use her final words to bash on anyone. Mm-hmm. So uh, Marilyn will miss you. And she says that she's also bonded with the cowboy, Colby. And he's. she says he's been dragging her around this whole game, and he says he would do it again. And it's very sweet. I oh. love I love this like trio, the, you know, the friendship that hopefully Marilyn doesn't take this. I mean, it seems like she doesn't take it personally, and mm-hmm. hopefully she and Tina and Colby are all still great friends. You know, I am noticing something different about the season that I'm really liking, or maybe not liking. It's a little bittersweet, but the first people that have been voted off, I really liked, and I feel like maybe not Cal that much, but I really liked. Deb and Marilyn, and I feel like I will remember them in the reunion. Uh, whereas with some of the people that got voted off early in the last reunion, I was just like, I don't even remember what these people looked like. Yeah, and hopefully that kind of carries through the show. And by the time that, like later in the show, people are getting voted out, we see, we've seen more of them at that point than we've seen so far. And so they're kind of just like waiting until. Like, they need to make sure that we know these people before mm-hmm. they get voted out to, like, tell us about them. Because there, there are still a lot of people that we've barely seen on the screen. Right. So, yeah. I, I do like that they make us care and remember these early people. And mm-hmm. we'll remember Cal for his beef jerky, even if we didn't, like, love him as a character. We'll remember him for his beef jerky, hopefully. I, I will definitely remember the beef jerky incident. Yeah. And... Colby says that regardless of which way the vote goes, that this seven is pretty tight and it'll be sad whoever gets voted out. And it's especially sad that they vote for Marilyn. Yeah, I was screaming at the TV uh, just seeing that vote come in. I thought there was no way uh, that she would get voted off. And of course there would be no way that Tina would vote for her. Yeah. We start the voting with Keith voting for Mitchell because he's tired. I, this is a pretty fine vote. I I think my vote might have gone to Mitchell in this in mm-hmm. this one. Like he's just to put him out of his misery. Like yeah, he has to survive three more days out there, and he yeah. looks like he's about to drop at any moment. I was feeling bad for him. I wouldn't have felt bad voting him off. It's just like literally for your sake, dude. Like please go home and and get some rest and heal up. Yeah. We don't see Jerry's vote, but she says it's purely strategic and nothing personal. She says that she's going to miss this person dearly, and it turns out to be for Marilyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get the surprise, which I'm, I guess it's a great moment that you know we <laughs> see Tina's vote with the sad face for Mad Dog, and she says, "I love you. I value your friendship more than anything. This vote has everything to do with a promise I made, and nothing to do with you." I hope you'll understand. Yeah, that's, I think those words ring hollow. I think Marilyn would probably listen to those words and actually hear them and believe Dina was telling the truth here. But I mean, no one's even going to know. It's nice of Tina to keep her promise, but no one's really going to know that she was the person who didn't keep her promise. You can vote for anyone here. That's a good point. She could have voted for Mitchell or Keith and then Marilyn still goes home but Tina isn't part of the group that ousted her is that kind of what you're thinking yeah I mean 
I'm guessing if she did that, it's possible she could have been figured out by the other the rest of them. It's like, oh, you were good friends with her, and then you decided not to vote with us. So maybe we vote you out now. So maybe that's she was maybe maybe it was a vote out of fear. That could be. Also, maybe she told them like, I'm when I vote for Marilyn, I'm gonna write a sad face on my paper, and then they <laughs> wouldn't see a sad face anywhere, and they'd be like. Uh, I bet Tina didn't vote for Marilyn because I didn't see the sad face. <laughs> or she just put the sad face on Mitchell's vote anyway, and they're like, hold on. That's not in the right place. We do get one vote for Jerry, and then a vote for Marilyn, and then a vote for Mitchell. So at this point, we're tied 1-1-1, which is unique so far to this season. I don't think we've seen a vote like this yet. Right. I At that point, I was very excited. I was like, oh, this could go to anybody. But then what kind of gives it away is they don't show Tina's vote until the end. So once you see a bunch more differently spelled Marilyn's or Mad Dog combinations, Mm -hmm. you know that Tina's vote is still hanging out there for Marilyn, and so there's no way for anybody else to get voted out. Right. It was depressingly awful to see this happen. Yeah. We haven't talked about Marilyn's Mad Dog hat, uh, but at this point, she's going to give her Mad Dog hat to Amber. So hopefully Amber can f- fill the role that Marilyn has been giving us because mm. we don't really know Amber at all except that she loves food and like yells about it every time they eat. <laughs> hopefully she's a little Marilyn and can take that role, just like you said. Yeah. Uh, Marilyn has great final words. This experience has meant so much to me. At 52, I can feel myself really coming alive. Oh, hell, I'm tired. Did this all really happen? Did I, did I do this? Like, she's just so sweet, and this survivor journey just lit a fire in her, it seems, and she yeah. just had a great time. It really does seem like it only had positive impacts on her life, and she's. it doesn't even really seem like she's bummed about getting kicked off. She's only looking at the positives. She had a great time, and she's coming alive at 52. It's. It was so sweet, and it made me all the more sad that we are not going to get any more from her in this show. Yeah. Well, hopefully when the reunion comes around, we'll remember her, and we'll get to see her again there. Fully alive. Fully alive, yep. And then we get scenes from the next episode, and it seems like the Keith-Jerry tension is hitting a new breaking point, I guess, where we get a quote from Keith that I really don't appreciate, where he says, I didn't come out here to get pushed around by a bartender wannabe actress. And that's that's Jerry. I don't... Yeah, what is he? What is he poking fun at here? What is he like that? She's a she has a hardworking, paying job and is following her dreams. Like, I don't understand what what he's getting at. Right, and we'll see that they often, you know, put things in these previews that don't end up being like what they were. Um, yeah. But, you know, looking at this quote by itself, we've talked about how Keith isn't really, you know, we're, we don't dislike Keith. It's just like he's not as fun as Marilyn. But saying stuff like this, this is like, I, I don't, I don't like stuff like this. Um, it's putting salts in the wound. Keith should have gone. Calling out somebody's career and career aspirations in the same yeah. breath. Like, if she's, if she wants to be something else, then don't give her crap for her current job. And if she has a current job, whatever she's doing, 
don't make fun of that. So it's like kind of two two in one insult. You know, I'm guessing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he should have said that no matter what. But maybe it was just a situation where he's kind of grasping for straws to say something mean about this person. So he's like, uh, she's a bartender and an aspiring actress. I can use that somehow. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what the context is uh, of this next time. But the real, the real, uh, you know, thing to look forward to yeah. or not look forward to is <laughs> Mike's knife is very bloody and he's putting blood on his eye uh, under his eyes and he is you know they they talk about his bloodlust and has it gone too far yeah it's it's a little horrifying i'm excited to see if this is anything I, it, the way they mislead us with some of these like previews it could have been like he spilled ketchup on his knife and people were mad at him for taking care of his cutlery badly right right they could have won a reward of like condiments and then yeah. he's like cutting something and it had ketchup on it and then they're just like making a joke and he's putting ketchup on his eyes and they're the producers are like this will be great for our scenes for the next episode just yeah. pretend that you've killed something and then right. you have blood all over the night so how are you feeling three episodes in about Kimmy uh I feel like we didn't see a whole lot from Kimmy here I think we just had really had that scene where she's trying to prove herself with the the water situation i don't feel any better or worse about her after this episode i think i still feel pretty good i think she'll make it pretty far uh and if we keep seeing people i like get kicked off the show uh she could easily make it to the end i don't really have anyone anymore that i'm really a big fan of if i'm going to be honest i'm sure that could change as we get to know more of the survivors but uh, Deb and Marilyn were definitely my favorites, and now they're gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, if any, if these episodes have taught us anything, we'll open the next episode, and you'll like immediately know who you like the best, and then they'll get voted out at the end. So yes, you know, you just have a new favorite every episode, and then they're gonna get voted out. Right. Maybe the Mad Dog hat it will be an indicator, and we'll see Amber get voted off, and then hand the cap off to somebody. Ooh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Whoever has the cap is the target at the next yeah. vote. Yeah. Well, then Ogakor has to go to tribal council over and over unless she passes the hat <laughs> to somebody on the other tribe. Yeah. It. I'm interested if this is more, maybe this is more about a question about Survivor in general, but if one team keeps losing and they have way fewer people, do they have to redesign challenges to fit this unbalance i think they do because they often if the tribes are not the same number of people then they'll have to sit that number of people out but yeah i think if it mm. gets you know too far where it's like okay well this was supposed to be a challenge for like four or five people minimum then maybe they would have to like change some things around but so far this is i think the most imbalanced the tribes have been in the two seasons so far because in season one they alternated wins and losses uh each each episode and this time we alternated for the first two but then ogakor um am i oh i guess i'm wrong about that i think it's, it's just it's two just one. gone on ogakor yeah. and one on kucha so yeah. that will be true if ogakor if ogakor loses, loses again in the next right. episode yeah i was thinking that they already had lost somebody but 
last week was their first loss. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So right now it's just one difference. But oh, this is the first time a tribe has lost two immunities in a row, I think, because it was Whoa. alternating in the last season. So, yeah, we'll see if they can turn it around. But we'll see. I think that'll do it for episode three, and we'll look forward to seeing what Mike's knife, what mischief Mike's knife has gotten into uh, <laughs> next week. Can't wait. Scott Survive Survivor. So thank you everybody for listening and for continuing to support us. It's awesome to see all the listenership that we're getting. And um, yeah, we're still having a great time and we hope that you'll keep coming back and keep listening to us talk about these episodes and follow us on Twitter. If you haven't already, CBS Uh, does. Wow. That's true. CBS does. Uh, and Scott will keep coming up with different ways to <laughs> interject that into uh, when I talk about Twitter. But that is at SS Survivor Pod. So follow us there. Let us know your thoughts. We have a couple, uh, couple people who are uh, interacting with our Twitter a lot and letting us know their thoughts about each episode. So um, I don't know. Join the party over there and let us know what you think. So that'll do it for this episode, and we'll see you here next time. Take care. See ya.